Welcome to Chit Chat with Hope. And I am hoping that everyone is having a wonderful day so far. Tonight, we're going to talk about, at least I am going to talk to you about, a topic that we're all familiar with, okay? And that topic is, I'm going to discuss the IEP, which we all know it's an individual educational plan for each child within the classroom, within the school that has is or her own disability, okay? So the IEP. The IEP, as we know, has many different things that we, um, as parents and the educational team and even the medical team or the therapists, all these different people come together and they are the, in, the interdiscipline because it's different disciplines and they are there to support your child, my child, our children, okay? Whatever is written on the IEP, we all are, well, if you're listening to me, I'm quite sure that you totally understand what's on the IEP, how the child will be taught, how it's best to reach the child, the different things that you want each discipline want the child to accomplish within the, within the school year, okay? I'm going to talk about two IEP, but I'm going to talk about the first IEP is going to be the legit, which means that this is the IEP that you as the parent, I as the parent, the school, and the, and the different disciplines that are there to support our children, OTPT speech, math, you know, all these different wonderful people that come together as a group, as a team, along with us as the advocate for our children to make our children achieve as much as possible within themselves, okay? Not competing with anyone because remember I explained that the IEP is an individual. You know, it's like your fingerprint, okay? You're the only person in the world that has this fingerprint. The IEP, that child within that classroom, regardless of how similar they might be to another child in comparison where their disability, their understanding, or their physical you know, status or whatever it is, each child is different, each IEP is different, or it should be, because it's individually planned out for that child. Okay, so we are already in the fifth month of the school year, okay, physically. We started school in September. It is now January. So we're already in the fifth month of the year, which means that if you check moving forward, we have five more months before the school year is over, right? So this is the perfect, perfect, perfect time to look at your child's present IEP and their last IEP prior to this now present IEP, okay? What you're looking for is 
you're going to look at the different achievement or goals that were met on that last IEP. Okay? You're going to look at all the things that your child, my child, have done, have accomplished. Okay? The goals that they've accomplished. Because some of the goals that they've accomplished, things, different things were added to that goal or should have been added to that goal. Because sometimes a goal can be carried over just by adding different things. You know, the child learned how to tie his shoelace. Now he can learn how to zip his jacket up. So, you know, different things can be carried over, okay? But however, I want you to now look at the last IEP, not the present one, the last one, and look at the different achievement that your child have mastered, okay? Look at OT, PT, speech, all of these disciplines. Look at what they thought of your child at the end overall within their section, okay? So you're going to read everything that OT has said. Speech, whatever discipline that is involved with your child's team, okay? And then you're going to read the present IEP. And you're going to look at what OT said last year, goal-wise. We're looking at the goals and the goals that were made for this present IEP, okay? So then you can see if your child is still achieving or your child has plateaued, which means that your child very much stayed where they were since January, since, I'm sorry, since September, okay? So we're not looking at saying the child should achieve all the goals that were set, but we want to see what the OT thought of them. So let's say, for example, I'm going to give you an example of my son. Not now, but I'm going to give you an example when he was younger, okay? When he was younger... OT was working on his fingers because, like I told you before, I'm not sure if, you know, you have listened to all my um, podcasts, my earlier podcasts. He has fine motor issues. However, the fingers work perfect for math because math is completely different than language art or English or social study because that takes a lot more writing, okay? So we're... Uh, so what they saw was that um, he used a laptop for the classes out, with the exception of math. So they're looking at his speed. They're looking at his accuracy. You know, they're looking at how accurate he is when he writes. They're looking at how they were looking at how he mastered the i um, the laptop where he learned different keys on how to spell check. He was learning different keys on how to, you know, instead of putting a period, you put a comma. He was just learning the laptop because that's going to be part of him forever. So a lot of his goals with OT were made on how fast he typed, if he was learning the keyboards correctly, and all those different things. 
if he knew how to delete what he didn't need instead of starting all over. So it was a lot of details, but that was what OT was looking at, as well as they were um, working on his strength in his finger and all of that in his hands, right, which they did a wonderful job. Then I would look at the present um, IEP, and I would not compare, but I would see what was written and actually my child's performance, okay? So the present IEP, the last IEP, you wanted to see or remind yourself where that therapist left off on as far as how they saw your child within that discipline. Now, the present IEP, you're looking at did your child at least started some of the goals? Is your child on his way or her way in mastering that goal? Should that goal be revisit? Maybe it's too much to ask. Should that goal, because your child has mastered it and we're already in the fifth month, why drag it out? Why not add something to it? So you're looking for different things. It's not that you're just looking to see if your child, you know, can't do it, won't do it. You're going to look at, did your child at least start the goal? Is your child on his way to master that goal? Have your child already mastered that goal? So you need to revisit all these things that when June comes along, you're not upset with the last IEP, because I know it's yearly, so we know that between September of last year and somewhere in the middle before June, all our children are going to be evaluated again. Because it's, it's, a, it's a yearly thing. However, you're not going to wait for the IEP meeting. I'm not going to wait for the IEP meeting. For a lot of um, parents, the IEP meeting becomes, you know, treacherous. It becomes, you know, um, if they're hearing things that they don't want to hear, which there are a lot of things that we don't want to hear. But the thing is when you don't want to hear them and you have accepted them, it's two different things. Because I might not like, I might not like what I've always um, heard when my son was younger, but within my soul, I know that it was honest. I know, I know that that was him. You know what I mean? I knew it was him. So I couldn't sit there and and get upset because I knew in my soul that that was my child that they were talking about, even though it was on paper, okay? So what I want you all to do is look at last year, then put it away, and then I want you to look at this year. And when I said look, I mean read it. See if you see your child in it. You know what, you know, like... When you finish reading all of what that particular discipline have written about your child, how they saw your child, what they want to do with your child, what they were working on with your child, I want you to honestly look at, just close your eyes and honestly see if you picture any of these things. 
that your child will achieve, have achieved, have not even started to achieve. Part of how we feel when we go to IEP meeting, I know for myself, is just hearing all the disciplines saying things that we don't want to hear. But I want you to understand that once you start looking at your child's IEP from September, you look in January, and you start looking at what they have set up as a goal for your child, and you see honestly within yourself that there's no way this child is going to accomplish this goal or even get close enough to say, well, we'll do it next year. Okay? So you might want to call a meeting, and not a big meeting where everyone needs to be. It might just be you, the principal, and the teacher. And you might just want to revisit that goal. You might just want to say, well, instead of making this goal a short-term goal where you totally expect my my son, my daughter to, you know, meet this milestone of this goal. You totally expect them to achieve it. It's already the fifth month, and my son have not moved from the gate. He's still there. I would like to revisit this goal. I would like for you to make this goal a long-term. A short-term goal, this will not work. Instead of saying, well... You know, four out of five times, I, you know, this child is going to write their name properly by always remembering that the first letter needs to be uppercase. And you notice that it's not happening. You have to cue the child. You have to remind the child. I mean, in every, t- in every instant that this child attempts to write their name, you or someone else have to constantly Remind them, which is good that you are reminding them. It's good that they're understanding when you're reminding them at that point. But if you see where it's written five out of six times this child is going to do it, you and I know that it's already the fifth month. If the child is not doing it, not that the child won't do it, but instead of saying you expect almost like 98% of the time my child to to get it, it's not going to happen. So I'd rather you put that three, at least maybe three times out of six, my child will get it. Or you put five out of six try or cues or reminders, my child will write the first letter in uppercase. Maybe you want to go slow. Maybe you want to take it down a notch. Instead of making it where the child is going to automatically initiate what needs to be done. Maybe the goal needs to be changed or revamp or revisit, however you want to put it. Maybe it needs to be with cues, with reminders, with redirection, Johnny will always, after cues, use uppercase when writing his name, his first name and his last name, the first letter. Okay, with cues, reminders, redirection. So sometimes we just have to 
just go through our IEP, go through your IEP every five months, which means that when someone call you and they tell you that it's a meeting, you've already written what everyone said that the child was going to do, and you have written what you know the child will do because as parents we already know we know our children they can surprise us yes they do but overall we know our children okay if you can write down you know some of what you really honestly know is your child instead of some of what the therapist would really like to do with your child then work on that when they call you for your IEP you know, or you go for progress report, you know, when, you know, the two or three times during the year when they call or now we're Zooming, however the school is doing it. When they call or you're Zooming in for these meetings, you can bring up, I was looking at the IEP and I noticed that the therapist expect my son to do this or my son to do that. Honestly, I really think that we need to, re, you know, we need to take it down a bit. You know, I don't see where my son is going to, five out of six times, he's going to do this. It's impossible. It's not. It's too much stress. I really think we just need to start with cues. With cues, he will do it three out of six. With reminders, you know, we need to do, the goal is still the same goal. The achievement that everyone wants this child to make is still the same. However, instead of saying that this child is going to initiate you know, his whole, his whole being, which means no one is going to help him. You know, he's just going to know that he's supposed to do it. We already know that it's not going to work. So why have a goal in place that it's not going to work? Because the only thing that's going to do is when you go to a, a, a Zoom meeting or you're on the phone, that's exactly what they're going to say, you know. Well, you know, the IP said that, you know, five out of six times, and he couldn't do it, and she couldn't do it, and, and, and she needed reminders. You know what it is? Instead of, instead of just doing it like that, because you've already tried the five months and it's not working, so instead of doing it that way, I would think an easier way to do it for the child, and as well as for yourself as a parent. Because we cannot bring our children through their journey. We can't go around. We can't go under. We can't go over. We got to go through. We got to drive through. We got to walk through. We got to travel within their journey. We can't make it happen until the child is ready for it to happen. We can't make it happen, unfortunately, if it won't happen for some children. So, But what we can do is we can make goals more achievable. We don't have to get chunks. We don't have to get big slices. Maybe we just need to, do, be, we just need to make the, the goal as like a nibble. You know, you're just going to nibble at it. And then, you know, next year we nibble a little bit more until we get the hang of it. But I want you to understand that goals are not carved in stone. And not because a goal is there, it needs to be there. And not because a goal is there, it means the child is going to totally achieve everything in June or even attempt. Because sometimes there are goals that, you know, professional, even as parents, 
you know, our heart is in the right place, but the child is not ready yet. So after you finish reading the IP and you honestly look at your child and don't look at your child with your heart either because we love our kids and we sometimes we forget that we really need to be honest. So don't look at your child like, okay, you know, I know you can do it. We can't force our children to be at a place that they're not ready. However, we can keep hope that one day they will be ready. Okay? So don't, we can't give our, we can challenge our children, but we need to pick our battles. What are you challenging your child with? You know, what is the group, the team being, what, what are they challenging your child with? Cognitively, do you honestly think your child can do it? Physically, do you think your child can do it? Maybe they can do it, but it won't be at that set goal. Okay? It would be where your child will tie his shoelace with cues, redirection, and reminders. Your child will tie shoelace by watching and then demonstrating back to the therapist. But it can't be written that your child, my child, will tie his shoelace perfectly, you know, will tie his shoelace five times out of six. It might never happen. However, your child probably, my child probably can watch and repeat, watch the therapist do it, and demonstrate back. Your child probably can do it with cues. So you hold both sides, so you pull, so you do this, so you do that. They can probably do that. They can be reminded, remember, you have to do this and you have to do that. And then they can demonstrate it back. So we need to understand that goals can remain as goals, but sometimes we just have to play with them a little bit, change them around. It's already the fifth month of the school year. I think if something is not working, if it's too, if it's not achievable, I think we need to bring it down. Because then when we bring it down, at the end of the year, our children will be closer to achieving a goal because now it's where it's achievable, or they'll be close to achieving that goal when school starts back in June and in, in you know next year's um, this year September. And then that's fine. And then it's fine. But we can't, we can't have a goal going on and on and on and not seeing some achievement. It doesn't work like that. It shouldn't work like that. Because if we're an advocate for our children, which means that we are lawyers in the educational realm of what our children are entitled to. A lawyer is never going to walk into a courthouse, which is the IEP meeting, and not be ready to take apart something and put it together that works for his client, which is your child and my child. If we see that a goal is not going to work, why, why let it linger? If we see a way that we can call the teacher 
and the principal and we can sit down. We're not upset with anyone. And we can say, you know, it's the fifth part of the, you know, it's the fifth month in the school year. My son have not even tried to do anything. My daughter, she still can't hold her shoe, you know, her finger still won't work for her shoelace. I'm not saying we should not continue, but I, th I really think that we should slow it down a little bit. We should not have the goal where it's five times out of six when she meet the, the therapist that she's going to tie her shoelace. I think we need to add that there'll be goals. There'll be a, pl there'll be a time when she needs to demonstrate. I think we need to change the goal that really fit my daughter. This goal is not achievable. Okay? Because it is what it is. It is what it is. So that's what I would like each parent to do. Look at your last IEP and see where your child physically is. Okay? Cognitively. Emotionally. Mentally. For some of us, even medically. Okay? And then look at your present IEP and see if you see the difference. If you can see growth. As the same time that we are, you know, in sequence, when you're reading the old one, the present one, I want you to look at the child. At the child. Because regardless of what's written on the paper, if it's not mirroring your child, it's not going to be achievable. Your child need to be in sequence with the IEP. It needs to be something or at some level where your child has a chance of achieving. Even if it's only half of it or half of a half, a quarter of it, but it needs to be fair to your child. I'm not saying easy. I'm saying fair. It needs to be a goal where we honestly feel in our heart as a parent and as, and as therapists that this child has a chance of achieving it. So it's okay for you to speak to the teacher, speak to the, the principal, speak to the therapist. The therapist, they might know, they do know a lot educationally more than we do. But we know the child better than they do. They get to see your child maybe for an hour, um, a week, and you get to see your child every day or, you know, all the time. So you should know if the goal is achievable. You know, I mean, sometimes we look at our goals and we feel good because, you know, a therapist might write something and within ourselves we feel good and we feel that um, our children have um, arrived at the point where this goal is being written because there's so much improvement. But they are improvement. The improvement that last year, the last IEP was different because your child now is different. Your child is now older. And the, where they left off last year and the present IEP meeting, um, 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 IEP, you know, that you're now following, it probably is somewhat attached to that one, you know, where your child left off, the therapist is now continuing. However, the goals are different. So I don't want you to feel disappointed if your child have not reached a goal. I don't want you to not 
make it known if your child have achieved and maybe they can add a little, tweak it a little bit and add something else in there that your child can work on because they've already achieved. I don't want you to feel disappointed. You know what I mean? I don't want you to feel disappointed. I don't want you to go to an IEP meeting and just be miserable just listening to what appeared to be negative. Okay? And I want you to always keep in mind that an IEP meeting, I know it appears negative, some of the stuff that you hear, you might hear a few good things, but it's not a meeting for hearing good things all the time, the whole entire meeting. Because remember, IEP plan, the plan of the whole idea of your child, my child having an IEP, having an IEP that the state backs us on, that the state protects, that is now a contract between your, your school and you, and the school have a contract now with the state or with your county or however you put it, that whatever is written must be provided for this child. Okay? So I don't want you to feel that when you walk in, and everyone is talking that they're all going to be saying, oh, well, you know, Johnny's such a smart kid. Johnny's so bright. Johnny's so great. The IEP meeting is really to discuss the weakness and how to make them stronger. It is also to go a small, you know, like they're doing well and this is what they're doing. But a large part of that meeting is always going to be where your child has lacking, where your child needs to improve, where your child has stopped improved, where your child is not listening, where your child need more cues, where your child need more reminders, where your child is not doing what your child can't do. This is what the meeting is for, that the group can sit together again and decide what is best for your child. Please don't go to a meeting and expect the entire 45 minutes or however long your meeting is for anyone to sit there and just tell you all wonderful things. And if they are, they're not holding a correct meeting. I am going to let you know. If you sit in a meeting and the entire time you're sitting there, it seems like you're, you're, at a, at a, at a, you're on a stage and at any given moment you're getting ready to get an award for your son. You're not in the right meeting. You're absolutely not in the right meeting because the IEP meeting is to, yes, tell you that your child is doing well and the points where your child have improved. But the, the bigger part of that meeting is to come together and see what can be decreased, what can be increased, what can be controlled, and what can't be. When I say control, I mean there are lots of things that we can control to make children do well in school, okay? Some children cannot take, um, they, need, they need to be in a quieter room when there's a test or an exam or a quiz. So that child can be taken from that environment and maybe go sit in the office, in, in the secretary, in you know, one of the offices where 
it's quiet. The environment it doesn't have a lot of people going back and forth. We, um, we, we have seen, um, I don't know how long, maybe six or seven years ago, where part of the control of making sure that children with special needs that are taking the state exam yearly, they have said, okay, this child can get an hour and a half more than the average child. This child can get two hours. In between, this child can have a break. You know, it's set up differently for different children. So there are some control, but then again, some things we just can't control. We just have to anticipate, and that can be behavior, and that can be medical, and that can be cognitive-wise status. So there are things we can't control. We just can't control it. You know, if a child is sick and they're not and they're absent a lot because they have different doctor's appointment or they're just sick in their home or maybe they're using it, they're, they're um, on a new medication and they sleep more in the class than they normally would. Naturally, this child is going to miss a lot of instruction and might not do well this semester or might not even do well this year. So when you sit at a meeting, I want you to understand, read your IEP, be honest, listen, and advocate for your child in a way that you're going to agree if you understand that this is where your child is and that goal is just too much. You're going to understand that your child started a new medication and your child actually had missed more school or your child might have had more appointments this semester than they normally would have, and they've missed a lot of instruction. So there's a lot of different things why the IP plan that was made with yourself, myself, and the team might not work. We need to take that in consideration when we sit in a meeting. But I honestly want you to understand, if you sit in a meeting and you walk out feeling as if you know, your child is just doing wonderful across the board. Yes, all of our children do wonderful across the board. But if they're not discussing any issue at all that your child or any place where your child need improvement, you need to ask yourself, are you in a, or, then what are you working on? Because there's have to be goals, there have to be things that need to be worked on. I mean, my son does well in school, but there are things that need to be worked on. Absolutely. He's not the best organizer. I mean, his book bag looks like a bomb went off in it. I mean, he knows where everything is, but the whole point is it might take him an extra three minutes to get the things that he needs to get out of it because everything is all over the place. He's very unorganized. So that is something that is being worked on. But any IEP meeting you sit in and there's nothing being worked on, even though you have an IEP for this child, you need to question the team members. You need to question that. So when you go to an IEP meeting, I want you to 
already know that this meeting that I'm at, I am in charge of how I feel. I understand why I'm here and I'm going to be accountable to what I say. I'm not going to feel as if nine people or however large your team is, is attacking me. I'm going to understand that even though I don't want to hear what I'm hearing, but I have to accept it because that's my child they're talking about. And everything that they're saying, if it's true, that's who your child is. But we can't honestly sit in a meeting and expect to hear all the things that's fabulous. Because then what are you working on? And as long as the child is in school, something needs to be worked on. That's why it's a plan. It's an educational plan. Okay, so something has to be worked on. So again, please look at your IEP present and the last one prior. See where your child has fallen in from the last one. Because see, from the last IEP is when they're going to, all the therapists are going to now, when they're preparing the present one, right, when they were preparing it, they were looking at where your child was. And now this is where your child have, have arrived. So this IEP meeting that you now have, the present new one, is where your child have arrived. So you're going to look and see if it matches your child. Okay? But don't take it to heart that goals can't be achieved or goals will never be achieved we just have to make sure that we are honest with the goals that we agree upon that our child can or do have the ability with more extended time to achieve. Not all goals are going to be achievable. But we have to be honest with ourselves. And again, some goals, instead of the school year, it might need the following school year to be a goal that the child have actually started and seem as if they're going to achieve or might achieve only half or part of it or maybe not any of it. But at the same time, we need to look at the goals. And we might have agreed prior to that the goals were great. But being now that we're in the fifth month of the year, the school year, we know that the goals are not great. So they might be some other goal that could go there, you know. We have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to hold our children accountable. We have to we have to hold the staff accountable. But in in order to do that, we have to have a willingness to judge our own children's performance. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. In order to really honestly accept what is written 
on your IEP meeting, um, care plan for your child, I mean, care plan or educational plan for your child, in order to truly accept it, we must accept what we're reading. And in order to accept it, we must accept what we're seeing when we look at our child or what we're hearing or what, what we know that our child can and cannot do. So we must have a willingness to judge our children fairly. You know, if the child doesn't understand homework, no matter how much you explain what's going on and what should go on, at the end of the year you can't say the teacher didn't teach your child because we both, we both know, you, I, we know that we are the only teachers in this, in our children's life that's going to remain with them until because we are always going to have to teach them, demonstrate something, reteach them, remind, cue, different things, but we are always going to be that teacher. They're never going to be promoted from us. And if your child is not getting it from you, where they're not understanding, and you know that you have tried your best doing homework, then you cannot point a finger at the end, at the end of the year that the teacher didn't do her job, because then you're not really being honest, because then you're kind of saying you didn't do your job either. Because we can't just um, put it on our on the teacher, OT or PT, at some point, like I'm telling you right now, it's the fifth month, go through OT and PT, and maybe you need to ask them to call you. The next time that they've worked with your child and they're in the school, call you. Set up a time, and when you're, you know, your 20 minutes that that person give you, you ask the person, what do you think of this goal? Is it working? What, do you, what are you working on with my child? This way that when you go to a meeting, it's not the first time or the second time or however you're going to see this person and you're going to get mad. If you're keeping in touch with someone, you know what's going on. So when you go to the meeting, you can willingly say, yeah, we spoke about that, yeah, last month. We spoke about that two months ago. So it's not a surprise to you and you don't feel attacked. That's how I work on, that's what I do with me. You know, that's what I take. That's my take, you know where I give my son's therapist, you know, OT, PT, speech, whatever, his teachers, his counselors, I give, them my, I give them my number. I tell them, feel free. I don't care if they call me over the weekend. I mean, some people might be like, well, it's the weekend. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't care. If you're talking about my son, that's good conversation. If you're talking about my child, that's the best conversation we can ever have. So I'm going to let you know. On, it's, to me, it's not, it wouldn't be a big deal if my son's counselor called me at 7 o'clock on a Friday night and told me, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry, but I, I, I really wanted to speak to you. I don't care. I don't care. My son's PT therapist called me on Saturdays sometimes to, you know, let me know that, you know, what they're working on. Sometimes he'll let me know that they that he have a, he have achieved part of a, a different goal and he have added something to it, or he have given him homework that he has to do x you know x and y, and this is why he might be doing this because um, I want him to try this on his own, and then he can. Dem- so 
I let it be open to these people that you have my number. Please use it. And I don't know. I, I just don't care when you use it. You don't have to call me when school is in. If, if you want to call me and you want to block your number or or you want to call me from your house number instead of your cell number, whatever you want to do, I'm okay with it because I prefer going into a meeting and know everything or close to what everyone is going to say in comparison to sit there and hearing things for the first time. Hearing it for the first time, but know that it that this is how my child actually is. So go over your, your IEP. Call the people that you need to call if you're not agreeing with, the, with what your child is doing and what the goals say that they should be doing. Again, these people are the professionals that have made the goal. But again, you're the mommy or you're the caregiver, and you know that OT would like this child to feed herself, but you know after, after sitting with your child for dinner or for whatever, lunch, whatever meal, you know that the entire feeding that's going on there or the, the entire meal is you reminding, redirecting, you cueing, which means that the goal that was set up, four out of five times the child will initiate helping herself or himself initiate eating independently. You already know that's not working. You already know that's not your child because you already know that it is your child to be independent, can be independent, but with cues, redirection, and reminders. That's okay. Those words need to be on the IEP. And as a mom, as an advocate, as a lawyer, as a caregiver, all of that category that you fall in, if you see where anyone have written a goal that your child will be independent doing something and you see that it won't be done independently unless you initiate it, unless you do the cues, unless all of that, we can still say independent if we're cueing. We can still say independent if we're even doing it and asking the child to demonstrate it because it's independent on that child's personal personal performance. That kind of independent might not be for your child because your child can take, you know, start getting the fork and the spoon and the napkin and get all of that. That's your child's independent and that's good. But let's just say, for example, my child's independent might be where, you know, I have to say, remember, you're getting ready to eat. You're going to have to wash your hands, okay? Make sure that you pull the paper towel down. Make sure you turn the water on. Get the right temperature. Make sure you soap your hand. Get it sud, washed properly. Make sure all the soap is from your hand. Make sure you wipe your hand. And after you finish wiping your hand, then you use the napkin and turn the water off. This is if they're at school. And then you make sure you put it in the garbage. Make sure you... Now, if the child is following everything that I'm saying, which is the cues and the reminders and the redirection, that is independent for that child. Because maybe cognitively, that's where that child is. So as long as this child is following along with the cues and the reminders and the redirection, then this is as independent as this child will be. So all of this, even though this child is getting an outside help, which it might be me, you, or the therapist, it doesn't matter. This child is performing on their personal self. This is their personal 
level of independence. So in the special world where all our children are different, they're going to have different, in my opinion, different levels of independence. Okay? And we have to allow it as is. Okay? Take your wins when you get it. Okay? Independent for your child might not be they're going to put their shoe on and they're going to tie their lace. Independence for your child, my child might be go and get your sneakers. Put your socks on first. Put both socks on first. Put your sneakers on. Tie your lace. Make sure it's tight. Now do the other foot. Maybe that's, maybe that's my child's independence, right? Maybe we're just saying, you know, for example, and your child independent might be, you know what? The minute your child put their socks on, they put their pants on, they put their belt on, da-da-da-da, da-da-da. You know, they put this shoe on, they tie their shoelace. They might even tell you, you know what? This, sne- this sneakers don't go with my pants. I would like to wear the other sneakers. I mean, that's a different level of independence, but that's that child's independence, so be careful of the goals. Be careful of your expectation. Also, always keep in contact with these therapists and teachers that when you go to these meetings, you know, you're not, your heart is not totally outside of your, you know, you're not like feeling you're putting your heart on the table and everybody's just taking a piece of it. Because if you're speaking with people throughout the year on the phone and writing letters back and forth and or, or even meeting them, then whatever is being said at the meeting shouldn't be a surprise, okay? And whatever you see at home, you should also share it with the team because sometimes, you know, as parents, I'm going to say most of the time as parents, we have fabulous ideas that could really help our therapists, you know, because they only see our children one time for the, for the week or twice for the week, and it's not it's all day. It's probably 40 minutes, half an hour, you know. We see our children all the time. So we see things that they won't or can't, okay? And last but not least, I'm going to talk about have an IEP in your head as a caregiver for your home, for this child's independence, for this child's future. So if you have a daughter or you're taking care of a young lady, we know at some point She's going to get her menstruate. She's going to start her menstruation, okay? Going to, her period. As long as she's getting older, she's going to start getting breasts. Her body's going to change, okay? It's life, okay? We can't stop it, okay? We can't, everything that a child start doing now, we can't blame it on puberty and, and all of this. We can't. What we can say is it's not puberty that's making them crazy or, you know, when I say crazy, I mean, you know, I don't mean crazy in the sense where it's a mental. I mean crazy in the sense where being uncomfortable, where, you know, for a young lady that might not understand, now she sees that her chest is getting bigger and it might be a bit tender. She doesn't understand that. Her body's changing. She sees different things going on once in a month, once a month with her body for the next three, four days. Usually when she falls, you know, this is when she might see blood. She didn't hurt herself and now she's seen blood. You know, that's a period. She, you know, she might not understand these different things. So it's not like puberty's making them do this or puberty's making them do that. In my opinion, is is where the cognitive level is. 
the understanding of what that child understands. Okay? So what we can do is, before all of this happens, you need to have an IP in yourself that you're working on with your child or the child that you're taking care of that you will start doing the little talks or the little demonstration or however you're going to do it with your child that this child will be a little bit more comfortable or a little bit more understanding what's going on with their body. It's not that they're, you know, having more meltdown and all of that. Maybe the child can't um, explain to you that they, they're feeling bloated like we do. You know, some of us get bloated. Some of us are stomach hurt, miserable for the first two days. Maybe the child can't explain that. Okay, so maybe it's just the uncomfortableness of the process that their body's going through. That you need to have a playbook in your head how you're going to handle this to make this change from the body's now a child and the body's getting ready and developing into a young lady. So you are going to have to have a plan and not sit back and say, well, uh, puberty's making her this and puberty's making... No. is the way her body's changing that is making her not understanding what's going on. But we can help them by learning ourselves how we're going to deal with it and by explaining, cueing, and reminding. Okay? And anticipating, you know? The same way you understand that you know, at this time of the month, you know, this happens to your body, then you need to understand and have a calendar for this child and see if you can get on the sequence of when her body is going to do its thing as well. So now you're going to start prepping yourself. You know that you notice that she seems like she's in pain or she's uncomfortable, then you know what you got to do. You got to go to the doctor and you're going to have to have the doctor prescribe whatever he needs to prescribe that you now can bring that to school. And when she says her stomach is hurting, she can be sent to the nurse's office and they can administrate that pill. Whether it's a Tylenol or it's something else, they can give it to your child and you don't have to run to school and pick your child up. Maybe you can also go to the school, speak to the principal, speak to the nurse and let the nurse know that um, this is what's going on. You know, so when she comes down here and you give her her medication, I would like for you to please just give some emotional support as well. That's it. You go along and you let the female teachers know that this is the counselor, social worker, what have you, that at this particular time during the month, your child might need a little bit more emotional support because, again, the different things that's going on in her body. So we can't just let it go and just let it go and be like, oh, well, it's puberty. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of our grown women, we go through this with the pain and the bloated and not feeling well and feeling lousy until we go into menopause. So it's going to be that long. It's going to be that long. So if it's going to be that long, we're going to have to deal with it differently so we're going to anticipate and we're going to get ourselves together. As for the young men, it's the same thing. Their body's changing. They don't know what's going on, but they do know that things are just not the same anymore, okay? For some of the young men, they might not like the fact that they're getting hair on their face, okay? They're getting a mustache. They might not like the fact that they don't recognize their voice because, you know, their voice do change. All of these things 
we're going to have to anticipate. So you know that the school will have their IEP. As parents, we're going to also know that we need to have one because they're changing and we're going to have to meet their changes. We're going to have to be comforting. We're going to have to be emotionally supportive. We're going to have to just continue being the best people that we are, the best advocate that we are. And in order for, to do this, we're going to have to continue our learning. And this part of the learning is we're going to have to learn bits of pieces from different people, the social worker, the people that are with your children during the day, as well as we're going to have to just use part of life and not let out, hold our children accountable for their behaviors as long as, they, as long as they're able to understand. Hold ourselves accountable for our behavior. And our behaviors is the willingness to judge a performance. We got to judge ourselves as well. Okay? We got to judge ourselves as well. All right? Just like I said, there are things that the school do with the children, our children, and when they come home, we have to continue. And there are things that we do at home, and we're going to have to share it with them, and they're going to have to continue. So, like I said, you might have a child that never used medication, as mine does, never used medication. But if it's a young lady, and you notice that she's now becoming a young lady, well, now you're going to have to get the team at school involved, that it don't become something that, she have an accident, and, you know, and we don't want that, okay, because we just don't want that. We want to always protect our children's dignity. So whatever you're doing at home, if it's something that the team needs to know at the school, then you need to make it be known. And if you need to add it to the IEP, that is one thing that I'll say, add it to it. Now, yes, Tylenol is a it's going to be a medication Okay, might not be where you think it's a big deal at home, but in order for a nurse to give a child Tylenol, it must be on that care plan. It, so now it's a medication. So you're going to make sure you get a note from your doctor and you're going to hand it to the school. You're going to make a copy. You're going to hand it to the school because when your child is at that point for the month, your daughter, and you know what's going on, and you already given her her Tylenol, and she's feeling good, and she went to school, you need to know that at some point during the day, the nurse is either calling her or the nurse is going up to her class with a little calling out her outside and giving her a cup of water with her Tylenol, that she'll be comfortable and continue her day until she gets home, and then you deal with her again. Okay? So with that, I'm just going to say good night, fabulous people. <laughs> and um, I just hope that you continue having a fabulous day, which I'm hoping that you all are already doing. And um, we're just going to keep going because we have no choice. Okay? So remember, two IEP, one for the home that you're going to share with the school and one the school have made and you're going to share it with your home. So please do me a favor, everyone, go over your present IEP and look it over. Look over your child's IEP. We're in the fifth month of the year, and we have five months for school to end. And also look at the last year and, you know, and look at the last one before now, the present one, and check it out and see where your child was. All right? And um, stay strong. 
stay strong. Okay? It does get better. And better is dependent on how you see your situation, how I see my situation. So for better, it means a different thing to everyone. But what I'm going to say is make sure that you're willing to judge your children's performance in school. And you're not going to be thinking that you lack something while the child is not getting it or the school lacks something. Sometimes our children need to be where they need to be in order for things to start working, okay? We're just a passenger in this journey. And, I mean, we got to let them drive, and we just there to direct traffic, okay? That's all we're there for is to love them, support them, and direct all their traffic, make sure things go smooth for them. But we know that it's not our personal journey. Our personal journey and experience is watching them grow and being there for them. That's the experience we're going to get. We're going to get the experience of a, of a parent, of a caregiver. They're getting the experience of what is happening to them. Okay? So I wish you a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. And um, like I said, stay strong. Bye.